so if you could teach them that, that the addiction is what was keeping them alive, almost keeping them safe, then it's a little bit of a easier pill to swallow. And then you could start to help them to bring out that depression and that anxiety so that it's more overt versus covert and get to the root cause. Welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. You worry, I worry, we all do. If you're paying attention to the world today, there's a lot for women to feel worried and anxious about. As we explore the worries with curiosity and compassion, we learn to live more authentically and unleash the warrior within, someone who is strong, capable, and resilient, come what may. It's time to stop battling against yourself and start using your powers to meet everyday challenges with energy, purpose, and bravery. Now here's your host, Elizabeth Cush. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor here in Maryland with a budding coaching business where I help women reconnect with themselves to live a more authentic life. You can find out more about me at elizabethcush.com or progressioncounseling.com. So today we're talking to Adina Silvestri. She is also a podcaster and focuses her podcast on addictions and recovery. And I know that COVID and the pandemic and isolation have really exacerbated, increased, pulled to the forefront a whole lot of addiction issues. And I read the other day that overdose deaths are just skyrocketing And it's concerning, it's worrisome, but to me, totally makes sense. This is a really hard, stressful, traumatic time. And when we're feeling traumatized, we turn to coping survival skills to help us get through. And for some of us, substances were the way we learned how to cope with trauma. And so if you're falling back into old patterns of behavior, if you're concerned about your own recovery, I hope this episode will help support you, but also know that you're not alone. You are not alone. This is a tough time and we're doing the best that we can, but if you need help, please, please, please reach out. Adina Silvestri has a doctorate in education is a licensed professional counselor, a certified clinical hypnotherapist, and a certified brain spotter in Richmond, Virginia, and she works with children and families. She specializes in treating women with substance abuse issues and in helping children who have experienced trauma leave full, productive lives. Dr. Silvestri helps women with binge eating issues recover from shame and find hope and healing. Dr. Silvestri's clinical work includes providing supervision to counselors in training, and she is an innovative counselor educator. She teaches aspiring counselors the skills needed to become empathetic and creative. In addition to the clinical work and teaching, she is the host of Atheists in Recovery, a podcast which works to address the spiritual and scientific belief systems of people in long-term recovery. She writes for publications such as The Dr. Oz Show, American Counseling Association, The Richmond Family Magazine, and other recovery and wellness publications. 
In her spare time, she mentors students through Blue Sky Fund, and her hobbies include sailing, running, and learning Japanese. Adina is going to share with us the connection between trauma and substance use and addiction, as well as some of the resources to help you get the support you need if you are struggling in this very difficult time and need some support to move forward. She's also going to describe how hypnotherapy can really be an effective tool in helping heal trauma and support recovery. So let's get started. Here's my conversation with Adina. Hi, Adina, and welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm really excited to have you on and really enjoyed our conversation on your podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun to be able to sort of share the love, have you here too. But for the <laughs> my listeners who don't know who you are, could you share a little bit about you and really what inspired you to really focus a lot of your work on addictions, but your podcast also on addictions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a private practice in Richmond, Virginia, and I specialize in working with women with substance abuse and eating disorders, and I help them to eliminate shame to find hope and healing. Mm. Yeah. And I'm a certified hypnotherapist and a certified brain spotter. And I think today we're be talking about the hypnotherapy piece. Mm -hmm. And I have a podcast called Atheists in Recovery. And I wanted this podcast to, and, and I know that we'll get into this, but to talk about, you know, to sort of delineate the spiritual component with the practical component and help people heal from their recovery. Mm. And for you, what really drew you to the addictions piece and eating disorders for women? I mean, I know both can be uh, significant struggles for women, but what was it about those two things that really felt important to you to help women? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, and, and I've said, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, but working in a locked psychiatric unit, I saw the same people in and out of the hospital over and over again. And it just didn't make sense to me that they were there. <laughs> These are young women and, you know, we couldn't really help them with five days of, of detox. Mm -hmm. That was, that was nothing. Yeah. And so I suppose that was my, that became my obsession. It was, was to, was to help these women. And there was so much shame, you know, mm. that they carried with them. You know, some of them were mothers. Um, of course they were daughters and, you know, it's bad yeah. enough to have, have that label attached to you, but yeah. And so they carried mm. around a lot of shame and, and I don't think it's specific just to women. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would think addictions and shame yeah. kind of walk hand in walk hand in hand. They do walk hand in hand. They do walk hand in hand. So I don't really have a, a great reason as to why women were were the focus of of my yeah. of my practice, yeah. but it just seemed like those were the people that were those were the people that were coming in, and we could talk all about why the men aren't coming in. But yeah, yeah. But that's that's sort of where I where I held the focus. Yeah. 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 Well, and I would imagine 
part of some of the crisis work I did, we were partnered, the hospital that I worked with was partnered with an outpatient and inpatient drug and alcohol rehab, substance use rehab facility. And I would facilitate a weekly, biweekly women's group around trauma, addiction, post-traumatic stress disorder, just an educational group. And I think when I began the group, there was a lot of aha moments for the women who were in the facility of like, oh, you mean that thing that happened to me when I was whatever, you know, whether they were sexually assaulted or abused or just had some very difficult life experiences led to later turning to substances to manage. And that was fulfilling, but also frustrating work Mm -hmm. because as you said, oftentimes even the two week treatment or the one week was just not enough Mm -hmm. to, to really sustain either a sober life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So I know recovery can be really, really difficult and cause a lot of distress and family dysfunction and life stuff. So what do you see as sort of the biggest challenge for people who are considering or are working on recovery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I definitely see it as a familial disease. So, you know, that the more people that I could get involved in, in that person's recovery, the, the better. But the challenge, and, and for the most part, you know, there's always one or two individuals that, that are supportive of the recovery effort. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, the, the biggest challenge that I see and, and the reason that I started the podcast was having most treatment centers and, and, and most hospitals say that AA is, is the only game in town. Mm-hmm. And that's how a lot of people, that's why a lot of people started to come to see me was because I don't know how they said that they said that it was my website. I don't, I don't think that's, that was my website, Elizabeth, but, but, but that I, but that I wasn't, that I wasn't preaching, <laughs> that I wasn't preaching AA, I guess, and the God thing, which, which is huge. I mean, because if, if you have a belief system that, that was grounded in, in Buddhism or atheism or, or any of the other isms, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you're asking somebody to, to believe in, in something like their life depended on it. And for many of them, that's a complete turnoff. You know, if God didn't help me when my parents got divorced, when my dad died, when, you know, on and on and on, how is God going to help me now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that. Yeah. I've had clients similarly that just the, the 12 step, the, that does not resonate for them, the whole spiritual component. And it has left them feeling like, well, what about me? You know, what about like, how do I get the help and support that I need? Mm-hmm. I know this is a little off track of what we were scheduled to talk about, no. but so what are the alternatives? <laughs> I mean, I know there are other programs mm-hmm. too that mm-hmm. that offer support that are not spiritually driven. <laughs> driven. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So what else is out there? So there are there is women in recovery. There is atheists, agnostics, and free thinkers. There is smart recovery. Mm-hmm. There is recovery dharma and a bunch of others. Yeah, because I feel like if you're 
not resonating with the treatment program, like it's not going to, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be, it's going to be difficult. And especially if there's shame there around you not following the rules. Yeah. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm anti-AA because I, I want you to, to find what works for you. Right. Right. Yeah. And maybe it's a yeah. little AA today. Maybe it's a little smart tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of guys that have sort of this, this individualized approach. And, and that's really what I try and preach is find what works for you. You know, you have mm-hmm. this free will, <laughs> like, like right. use it. Yeah. 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 Right. Find it. Yeah. Find the things that are going to support you the best that you can. Yeah. And so like our culture, our society, our whole sort of system of how we manage stress is so linked to alcohol and Mm -hmm. disconnecting from the stress. But two, uh, I think that just our belief systems and like how we gather and how we are as a society Mm -hmm. really promotes substance use in so many ways, although like certain substances, not all of them, but how does that impact the clients that you're seeing and how do you help them sort of untangle all that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I feel like, and I'm going to switch between now to to men for a little bit, because Mm -hmm. I think that they're the hardest to come to get treatment Mm -hmm. and we could switch back to to women, but yeah. Yeah. No, I like it all. (laughs) But, you know, I think in our culture, the dominant message that you grew up with was that, you know, you suck it up, you know, you don't show weakness and that's Mm -hmm. how you deal. You just deal with the, with pain. And you don't show it, or if you do show it, it's through, it's through anger and it's through aggression and it's through things that are going to hurt you. And addiction seems to be one of those things. So I read a study recently where a bunch of doctors got together. They interviewed a bunch of doctors over, it was a longitudinal study. I don't remember how many years, but the majority of the people that they were interviewing across gender lines, they would give women the diagnosis of depression or anxiety and and men would get this diagnosis of addiction. Hmm. And so, and so, and so I thought, well, that's not, that's horrible. And, you know, right. no wonder why the, no wonder why people don't want to come to treatment, you know, that you're going to give them this, this diagnosis of addiction. And then, you know, that's, first of all, they're, they're going to get help, which is shameful, right? Because that's not what's right. taught in our culture. And right. now you're telling them that they have an addiction and, and they're at fault for it. So it's like this double shame. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I should probably stop with my little, with my little rant, but it's a lot to take in for men. And so I think that, you know, trying to, to separate and maybe separate is even the wrong word because I think addiction and depression occur as variants on the same, on the same disorder. Mm-hmm. So if you could teach them that, that the addiction is what was keeping them alive, almost keeping them safe, then it's a yeah. little bit of a easier pill to swallow. And then you could start to help them to bring out that depression and that anxiety so that it's more overt versus covert and get to the root cause. Yeah. Yeah. I love the perspective of whatever your addictions are, like they are survival yeah. tools. Like that 
to me to be able to see that with compassion, you know, within for yourself, mm-hmm. but for others too, is so important. Yeah. So I know oftentimes just the little bit of work I've done with the women in rehab, there was so often trauma mm-hmm. in their histories. Do you find that to be true with the men? I know you do some men's groups. Does that resonate too in terms of male clients as well, that trauma is often underlying addiction? Yeah. They wouldn't call it trauma for sure mm. because it, yeah, it's just something that you, that you just dealt with, you know, oh, well, you know, my dad would, would hit me, you know, but mm-hmm. that's what he did. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and that was acceptable. And, <laughs> and so then you're saying, well, so then, you know, it, it was physical abuse towards you, you know? So it's like, just sort of like a little different perspective. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I do think that there is a high correlation of, of trauma and addiction for sure. Yeah. And so with your, you know, I know that you're a trauma expert, but as well as, you know, using brain spotting and hypnotherapy, like how do those modalities, whether it's brain spotting or hypnotherapy, do they help how do they help with addiction? But also, is there some healing that can happen for the trauma piece with either of those modalities too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that the hypnotherapy and the brain spotting, you know, bypasses the the thinking brain, you know, the frontal lobe and really gets to the subcortical cortex, which is where all of the memories are stored and you know, that's where you want those connections to happen is on that deeper, on that deeper level. You know, you want to get to the root cause of, mm-hmm. of the suffering. And so I do think that with that focused attention and awareness that you're able to have a, 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 a bigger, and also it, for some people, a, a quicker mm-hmm. healing process, not all, I have to be careful because everyone's different, but yeah. But yeah. But the potential is there for yes. a faster process. Yes. And so talk to us about like how you might use hypnotherapy with clients who are struggling with addiction and probably have a trauma history. Like where mm-hmm. would that come into? Cause I think, you know, I've had Dr. Liz on and she's talked about her hypnotherapy practice, but not as far as addiction so much. And so where, how do you see that as a a useful tool, a useful skill for clients maybe to teach themselves? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Where do you see it in therapy? Yeah. I love that both hypno and brain spotting can, these are tools that you can teach the client so that they don't need to come back to you. And so it's not a a therapeutic forever sort of deal. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have some clients that only will do hypnotherapy with me hmm. and, and they come from, you know, all across the country just for mm. hypnotherapy for addiction. So you don't have to, they're, they're, I don't test for hypnotizability. Okay. I just assume that, you know, you're in trance all the day, all time, all the time, right? <laughs> Every single day. Mm. And so there's a willingness for you to be there, right? You, you know, you, you want this healing, you want this. So I just assume that you're, that you're there and, and you're present and ready to work. And so we put you into a, a trance and we go back into your, your memories, your deepest memories. And we will look for this emotional bridge to connect 
the pain that you're having right now, the worst part of the pain with an earlier memory, Mm. you know, and an identity forming memory. And then Mm -hmm. we go in and we change it so that your perspective is, is different. And then we also work a lot on your future self. And every time that we're in trance or that we're listening to a script, we are outlining what your future self looks like. And, and I think that's important too, because if you're always saying I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic, then there's really not a lot of room to grow or to change, you know, cause that, that's, that seems like a static characteristic, you know, when you, when you're saying that. Yeah. And so you're really with the script, you're, you're listening to who you are and who you and who you want to become. And there's that hypnotherapy seems to develop this emotional congruence hmm. between that and the early decisions. Wow. And so you, you said that, so you go back to sort of a pain point yeah. and then work on shifting perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that some people might hear that as like, I'm going to change it and pretend like it didn't happen, mm-hmm. but that's not no. really what you're doing. No. I mean, every time you bring up a memory, you're changing it just a little bit anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going back into these earlier memories, when you're doing these regressions, you are looking at it as a way of healing. You know, how can I best heal this part of me that for whatever reason needed to behave in this way for survival. Like, so for example, Billy who had the abusive father and in in Mm -hmm. a poor neighborhood and a poor side of town, he never stood up to him, always backed down, tried to keep the peace in the family so that no other abuse would happen to anyone around him, you know, but then always carried that shame and that pain with him. And then had this belief that I'm, you know, I'm no good. I'm, I deserve to not be seen, you know? So things Mm -hmm. like that would be, would Mm -hmm. be really important to go back and say, well, no, you needed this, this, this is what kept you alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So sort of reshaping your perception on how you see yourself Mm -hmm. or so see those parts of you that did what they had to do to, to get through. Right. And that you're no longer little Billy. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and and, you know, so now, now how do we take that learning and, and understanding on an emotional level and on a cognitive level to move forward Mm. to who you want to be? Nice. So almost like going back and taking care of little Billy and helping him feel more safe and secure in the world. So adult Billy can move on with his life and take care of himself. Exactly. Nice. So typically, I think, you know, in our pre-conversation email, (laughs) you had said that usually it's men who come for hypnotherapy, if I'm right. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. And I'm curious (laughs) why, if you have some sense around Mm -hmm. why that is, or just what you've heard from clients about what would draw men to hypnotherapy versus women? That is a great question. And if you know the answer to it, I love, (laughs) I'd love to be informed. (laughs) I mean, I have, I have a sort of a working hypothesis in that it could be that hypnotherapy is seen as not a talking therapy. 
mm-hmm. and that it's quick acting. It's, it's, uh, you don't need uh, that many sessions in order to see result. You can see results after one session. So maybe those two things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sort of a more results oriented yes. <laughs> versus like deep dive exploration, even though both are sound, you know, both talk therapy and sounds like hypnotherapy too, can be a pretty deep dive. It can be, a, it can definitely yeah. be, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's sort of where I, but, yeah, I that, makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. So <laughs> I want to address too. So COVID times, which is we're still in, has really from everything that I've read, as well as just watching friends, family, not so much myself, but people have really turned to alcohol substances as a way to cope, or at least initially were. I've read that overdose deaths are rising and that like this is this is scary to me that and I recognize that this pandemic is a tr- trauma for all of us. but, for someone who maybe has slipped back or maybe who is struggling, uh, you know, women or men who are really working to bring themselves back mm-hmm. to their more, yeah, grounded, safe feeling selves, like what would you offer to them? Yeah, I think that right now this has been a really, really difficult time for individuals in recovery, especially ones that are new to recovery. And so, I talk yeah. a lot about this in the podcast. I feel like, you know, connection, even if it's through Zoom, is really important. I know that it might not seem like the same and it isn't, <laughs> but <laughs> but at least you're seeing other humans and you're able to listen and you're able to connect and tell your story. And, you know, those things are are still really satisfying and yeah. and can really help with just not feeling so alone. And so, you know, connection, connection, connection. And if you're struggling, you don't, don't feel like you can't, that's like a, that's a really long sentence to say, ask for help and just ask for help. <laughs> and, you know, everyone is, is, is so willing to, to jump in. I mean, I think on Twitter and I can't remember the handle off the top of my hand, but there is like this, nine one one kind of re- oh I think it's called recovery posse and if you're struggling you just send a tweet and you'll get like 30 to 50 responses and you know people asking for your number and it's like a really cool thing and that's awesome so yeah yeah so there's support out there, there but know that you're not alone in this that this is a really hard time for yeah, to stay sober. It's a really, really hard time to stay sober. It is. And and so know that there's there's no shame in the game for, yeah. for asking for help. There really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And for longer term, are I mean, you've discussed some of the resources for women in recovery, agnostics, smart recovery. What's a first step for someone who maybe is saying, okay, it's time to do something different. And maybe this is the first time they're considering making a change. Mm, Yeah. I would say to tell someone, tell someone that you trust that you're ready to make a change and, you know, maybe work out a plan with them as your support system. Maybe they'll even go to a meeting. I think a meeting, I think meetings are a great way to start, even if it's online right now. And because then you know that you're not alone, you know? Yeah. 
Yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Support and yeah. Knowing that there's others out there that are struggling too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That are working through this. So Adina, I just so appreciate your coming on the podcast and sharing your expertise and a little bit about you. How do people find you and your podcast? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for asking me to be on. This has been so much fun. Yeah. You can go to uh, my website and you can find the podcast there. It's uh, atheistsinrecovery.com and you'll see the the tab for the for the podcast on on the on the homepage. Yeah. Nice. And if there were people who wanted to work with you, does that you said that you work with people across the country as far as hypnotherapy, so mm-hmm. is that something that can be done doesn't have to be like a state by state connection like therapy sometimes does, right? Licensing and stuff. Right. Right. And so a lot of states do not require uh, the hypnotherapist to be licensed in that state. And so um, if you're not sure if your state's one of them, you could always just email me and and we can start there. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Adina, again. And I look forward to exploring other avenues with you, maybe in a future conversation. That sounds great. Thanks, Elizabeth. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Adina. I think the perspective that trauma and mental health and addiction are all things that are very closely interwoven is really, really important in reducing the shaming and misconceptions about addictive issues and people who struggle with substance use. And this has just been a very difficult time for all of us, whether you have a addiction issues or not, this has been a really hard time. And I think that to be understanding and supportive and compassionate towards those who may have turned to substances again, or for the first time in order to cope, it's important to have some compassion and understanding for them. So if you are in need of more support please know that all of Adina's contact information will be in the show notes as well as the groups that she mentioned along with the 12-step links too so that if you need additional support, it is there for you. I hope you all will be kind and compassionate towards yourselves, towards those in your lives, maybe those who are struggling with addiction right now and go forward into this week with love and compassion in your hearts. Ciao for now from this woman warrior. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Woman Warriors Podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guest profiles at womanwarriors.com.